Welcome back to another episode of Extra Innings, a Phillies podcast by the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Matt Green here in Clearwater, Florida. After a one-week hiatus from the podcast, I'm back, and I'm joined by... Scott Lauber. And Bob Brookover. How are you guys doing? Do you guys miss me? I've never missed anything more in my life. More than you know. More Thank than you. you know. I missed you guys, too. Okay, thanks for lying. Now that we've got the lies out of the way, go ahead. <laughs> so here's some truths. Andrew McCutcheon will not be ready for opening day. How about that for a transition? That's a that's a harsh truth for the Phillies. It, it is. is a harsh truth. I, I mean, the day after I wrote that a betting man would not bet would not count him out, the Phillies themselves counted him out. So how's that for being? How, right how much did we? How much? How much was our bet again, Scott? I, I forget how much. I, <laughs> I forget how much you owe me. I'm not. I'm not one to brag, but I did say early in camp amongst us that I did not think he was going to be ready. I, did I not? Are, I, are, are, just, are you done bragging yet? I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had a, there was two choices. I, Someone had to be right. Somebody had to be wrong. I was on the right side of history there. I took the cheese. I'll be honest with you. Cause I thought <laughs> when I, when I, when I talked to him in right before spring training started, he, he, you know, he hedged, he did. He said like, well, you know, it's my plan to be ready, but I can't guarantee that I'm going to be 100%. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's honest. It's like, you know, he doesn't want to make any promises and this and that. But I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Like, I didn't, you know, I, I think I wrote that, that like he was, he points for honesty, but he plans on being ready. And I, I, I'm, I took the cheese. I thought he'd be a little readier than he was going to be. Opening day is March 26th. He's saying... I'll be ready March 27th is what his goal is. But realistically, it's mid-April, I think, is best-case scenario. Who's batting leadoff March 26th against a right-handed starting pitcher from the Marlins? It's, it's a great question. Um, I'm going to say it's, it's Adam Hazley. If it's not Adam Hazley, then it's, it's Scott Kingery. It's one of those two. I think there are going to be a lot of times where he's going to want, want to bat Roman Quinn first. Uh, if you go back and look at Girardi's history as the Yankees manager, He's, this is where he's a traditional manager. He likes speed at the top of the lineup. His last three lineups, in 15 and 16, he batted Ellsbury leadoff, um, and he's obviously a guy with tremendous speed. And then he went to Gardner when Ellsbury could no longer play, uh, who's also a guy with tremendous speed. Um, so I think he would like to have Roman Quinn in that spot a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's the question, who's playing left field too? I, I initially said Hazley. I think probably Kingery because he does have that speed. He, he has that ability to st- steal 20 to 20 to 30 bases in a season. So I'm going to change that and go with Kingery. I think it's going to be either Kingery or Quinn. I couldn't tell you which. Obviously, it depends on whether Quinn starts in center field or not. But I'll tell you who I, will, I, I hope it is because it's outside the box. It makes sense to me. It's, it's a move I don't think a lot of managers would, would try. I think Joe Girardi will consider it. And that's JT Real Muto. He's done it a few times in spring training. And I know, you know, it's spring training. Lineups are funky. It's just the way it is. Uh, but Real Muto's done it before. I dug into this the other day. He's done it quite a bit, actually, um, with the Marlins in, in, his, in his past. He, uh, he runs well enough to do it. I mean, he's not like Roman Quinn, but he runs well enough to do it. He handles the bat well enough to do it. And I'm just, you know... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for putting your best hitters as high in the order as you possibly can. And so the idea of a top five of Real Muto, Harper, Segura, Hoskins, D.D. Gregorius is really interesting to me. So I kind of hope that's the way Girardi goes. I think maybe he's thinking about it. Um, ultimately, I'll bet he does the more conventional thing and goes with a Quinn or a, or a Kingery. 
but I'd love to see Real Muto up there. He is thinking about it. He uh, he talked about it the other night, and that's what I was going to say too. That I, I think that's again, it's probably not going to happen, but it is extremely interesting. The one thing that I, I would make is maybe a deterrent to that is that the catcher has to come in that first inning and rip his equipment off and run run right out the bat. I mean, that's just me as not – I was never a major league catcher, but I just think that's like kind of like, you know, a, a kind of problem. But Joe Girardi was a major league catcher, so if he's considering it, I'm sure he doesn't think that's a big deal. Only so, at home, right? Well, I mean, I guess yeah. I, I get your point. Like he has to come in from the bullpen, right, and, and still – but. Like that's more of an issue at home where you have a top half of the first inning where you're in the field. He could, he could come in early enough, or you know they could adjust it enough where he's ready to ready to go. I mean, I, I guess I could see it happening the first road trip, you know, or the yeah. first series. You know, the only reason I, li- I I like the idea of Hazley a lot is because if you look at Hazley's history, he's an on base guy. Um, you know, Redding Redding in eighteen, he had a four oh three on-base percentage, Clearwater that year. I think for the year he had 361 on-base percentage. His first year in the minors, he had 357 on-base percentage. Of all those guys, I think he's your, including Kingery, I think he's your best on-base percentage guy. And he doesn't have great speed, but I, you know, I love having a guy on first base to start, a, to start the first inning of a game. I just think it's, it's really important. And, I, you know, he's not the great speed guy, but he's not, he's not st- stupid slow either. How about who it's not going to be? Bryce Harper. Yeah, and I I agree with that, and I, that, that's why I don't like JT Romuto. I just I I like I, I admit to being old school, and I also admit to being old. Um, and I just I just think you know I'd rather have those guys with some pop in the middle of my order, more more in the third, fourth, and fifth spots. And I definitely don't want to waste Bryce Harper at the top of an inning with if I can have him batting with a man on first and second in the top of the first, I'd rather have that. Yeah, that was Girardi's reasoning, right, Matt, that, you know, he wants Harper to bat with men on base, and it's really hard to find fault with that. I mean, obviously, if you're looking for on-base guy, um, it's hard to beat Harper uh, for that. You know, he, he's probably going to lead the team again in on-base percentage or at least come close. And uh, so from that standpoint, he, he certainly would fit the description of what you want in a leadoff guy, but it's hard to disagree with wanting him to come up with men on base. And, uh, you know, if they have enough options, and I, I think they still do. You know, I, I felt last year with, with Scott Kingery that if they had let it go for a while and let him, let him have a little bit of run at the top of the order, he might have figured it out, figured out how to do it. I know he's not the most patient guy in the world. I know he doesn't take a ton of walks. Uh, but, you know, he might have figured out how to be a little bit pa- more patient up there if they if they let him let him run with that a little longer than they did. I think there's value in Scott Kingery playing a set position too. And just that being that translating to offensive success. And I think he's, he's better suited this year to bat lead off than he was last year when he had all this other stuff going on. Now he can focus on, I know I'm going to, you know, as we expect him to be the second baseman, I can just focus on that. And then that, that kind of settles him down at the plate a little bit. So, Scott Kinger is one of the guys that I think is going to have a you know a nice year, especially the last two years were very disappointing compared to where he was in the minors. So I think that's who I'm. That's who I would bat lead off. But JT Romuto is like you said, outside the box, is really a good base runner. And Girardi mentioned that too. That you might not think that if you look at him, he's not the he's not a burner, is what Girardi said. But you know, you don't have to be a burner to be a good base runner. You just have to have really good instincts and know how to run the bases, and that's what Harper does too, and Jay too. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if your one through five was Real Muto, Harper, Segura, Hoskins, DD, Gregorius, then, you know, I, I happen to like, you know, Hazley slash Quinn in the eight hole um, uh, of the lineup. And, and it allows Kingery to bat, you know, maybe sixth or seventh. Um, you know, if it's Jay, if Jay Bruce is playing left field, you probably want you probably drop Kingery to seventh and and let Bruce hit more toward the middle. I, I just think that that's a really good look at the bottom of the order as well. So I don't know. In a weird way for me, uh, Real Muto in the leadoff spot makes their lineup feel deeper somewhat somehow too. And I, that's just the way I'd go. I hate your guys' lineups, <laughs> but anyway. Sorry, Bob. If we if we want to move on, we, we have can. a. I, I, I like boxes. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to stay in the box. Let, but that's okay. let's uh, let's ask this question, and then we'll move on to the next thing. So, who plays left field on opening day? Uh, is, is it is it Jay Bruce? Is it uh, Kyle Garlick? Uh, does Adam Hazley maybe shift over there, and you have Kingery in center field? I guess it depends, right? And if it's if it's a righty or a lefty, and, and how they go. But I think that's interesting. I'm going to say because if it if it's a right hander, it's definitely going to be Jay Bruce. I think he, I I think. Uh, Girardi has a lot of respect for veteran players. Opening day, um, you know, and you know Jay Bruce gonna, is going to provide the most opportunity to, to hit a ball out of the ballpark. Um, so I, I would say it's probably going to be Jay Bruce if if it's a right-hander. If the Marlins go with a right-hander, I'm with you. I think Jay Bruce too. I think it just makes as long as he's healthy and he says he's healthy. As you know, if he can make the throw from left field, I think he's in the lineup on opening day against a right-hand pitcher. Yeah, and I'll double down on that. And I, I think if, if it's a lefty, it should still be Jay Bruce. Like, we're not talking about a guy here who's never hit lefties before. You know, he's been a big league regular for 12 years or whatever it is. You know, I, I did the story on him the other day, and I looked it up, and I was actually surprised myself to find that he was, I believe it was sixth among active players in home runs. Not only active players, but also all players since 2008, he's sixth. I believe it was sixth or seventh. He's got over 300 home runs. This is not a guy who like is just your standard fourth outfielder. So, you know, I know you want right, left and things like that, but you know, this is a guy who's hit righties and lefties during his career. And honestly, if if I'm Joe Girardi and I look at my other options without Andrew McCutcheon, Jay Bruce is my left fielder, no matter who's playing or no matter who's pitching, as long as he can throw the ball from left field, as you said, Matt. So you have Jay Bruce in left field on opening day 2020, but opening day 2021 is Alec Bohm at third base. I'm actually watching him right now take rounders at third base. And he looks good. Uh, I, and I think he, he's having a great camp offensively, but I, I think we expected that. I think his defense was the more important part. I know, Scott, you wrote about that in the winter. And he's made, he made a great play in, in Dunedin the other day against the Blue Jays. He made a great play. The other night against the Braves, um, he looks good, and he put a lot of work in yeah. in this offseason, and I think that's the big thing now to watch his defense. But I think he will be third op- starting at third base opening day 2021. I think he'll be starting at third base by after the All-Star break in 2020 yeah. as a definite possibility. I mean, I you know, this guy – the way he's handled himself in camp, just watch him in the clubhouse. I mean, you're still down there, Matt. Scott and I are back up north. We're going heading back south. But, um, you know, just, just the way he handled himself in the clubhouse, I thought was terrific. Uh, he seemed like a shy kid in the first few times he did interviews in lower minors. But he seems like he's his personality is starting to come out a little bit. Um, 
you know, and he, he just seems like he's comfortable uh, in a big league clubhouse and that's where he belongs and that he's, he's, he's going to be around for a while. Um, things are going to happen this, during the course of this season. And if he plays well in AAA, he, they're, they're going to find a place for him on this big league roster fast. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, you, you watch him take, take infield, and this is what struck me uh, earlier in camp. Uh, you know, he's, he's so big. He's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And you think to yourself, like, how does the guy, a guy that big, you know, how's he going to even – how's he going to even bend over to, to field a, a tough ground ball? You know, I mean, it's, we've seen big third baseman before, but he just is, he looks so kind of, uh, so kind of enormous out there. And then you watch him do it a little bit. And it's like, well, this guy's a little bit more fluid or this guy's a little bit more agile than, than I thought he was, or than some scouts told me they thought he was when they watched him play last year. So I don't know if that's just, you know, improvement over time. Um, you know, I, it was funny. I, I talked to him uh, in January when he came in for the rookie camp, and we were talking about Arizona Fall League, where he went this year. And you know, he had kind of a tough. If you look at the numbers, he made a bunch of errors, and and he said to me, you know, I, I actually felt good about my defense because I I thought I got to more balls than I had before. Most of the errors he said were throwing errors. Throwing errors can be uh, can be fixed, I think, a little easier than than range errors or or. Uh, errors of that nature. So uh, I was a little surprised too at how, uh, at how fluid he did look out there. And you know, I, yesterday for our extra innings newsletter, I, I talked to Scott Brocious who managed team USA um, in the, in the pre-Olympic tournament that Alec Bohm played in, in November and might play in again at the end of the month, if the Phillies allow it. And if team USA picks him, and Broch just played third base in the big leagues for like 11 or 12 years. And I asked him what he thought. He said, you know, if he wants to play third base in the big leagues, he can. Because he said to him, defense is something that you can improve on if you work at it. He liked Bohm's work ethic. He especially liked Bohm's attitude about third base, the fact that he wants to play third base. The more people tell him he can't or the more people doubt that he can, the more he wants to do it and prove people wrong. I got that sense from talking to him in January. Like, he knows what people out there say. And I think he really wants to be good at this. So, you know, when he said, look, he's athletic enough to do it. He believes he has the ability to do it. And he certainly has the work ethic to do it. So, you know, the Phillies, I know, are really, really bullish on him being a third baseman. They haven't even talked about moving him to left field or barely talked about moving him to first base, maybe a little here and there, but not really seriously. Uh, so they're all in on him as a third baseman, and that's that's what it sounds like he really wants to do, and maybe he'll end up doing it. The the um, the guy he always reminded me of when he first was drafted, and the, the, the name that came to mind when I when you think about his size for me was was Troy Gloss, who played with the Angels for for quite yeah. some time, thirteen seasons, and and to, to Broches his point that defense. If it's one two to get better. If you want, if you desire to get better, you can get better at those positions. And if you look at Troy Gloss's numbers going through his career in Anaheim, his his second year, his first full season in the big league, he had 19 errors at third base. His next year in 2000, he had 33 errors. In 2001, it was still at 19. By the time he was 30 years old, his he was still playing 140 some games. He was making. In, in 2008 at 31, he made seven errors. Um, so it, it just tells you that you can continue to 
get better and the more you reps you get and you know and more to the point Bohm reminds me of Gloss as an offensive player and if he could beat Troy Gloss as an offensive player you got one heck of a player right now. Yeah, you sure would. Matt, you wrote a, a really good story the other day on Bohm and Bryson Stott and uh, kind of how that, that might be what the left side of the infield looks like in, in a few years. You know, Bohm we can project a little more easily because he's a little closer. He's going to be in AAA to start the year, most likely. But, you know, you've seen Stott a little bit. I haven't had a chance to see him play yet. You have. Um, you know, what's been your impression of him? Yeah, it's tough to get an impression because he's playing late in the spring training game against other minor leaguers. But he's on the same track, or he's gonna he's gonna get on that same track that Boom was on a year ago. And it's really how he takes advantage of it. Because a year from now, we could be sitting here saying Alec Boom's the third baseman, but there's Bryson Stotts in, in big league camp, and he last year he played three different levels, and he's he's ready too by midsummer. So this is. We saw, like you said, you can make an assumption about Bone because you saw him for a full minor league season. That's what you're going to get this year with Bryson Stott. He'll probably start in Lakewood, and if he hits his way to Clearwater just like Bone did, then he can end up in Double A Reading just like Bone did. And then once you get to Reading, you're right there. So Bryson Stott looks good at third base. That he said it was funny that you know he kind of even let himself imagine like this is what it could be like. This is. This could be the future of the left side, him and Alec Bohm at third base. And the one thing about Bohm, you mentioned his work ethic. I think it says a lot that he, one of the first things he did after being signed by the Phillies that offseason, he bought a house and bought a property yeah. in Clearwater. So he could be down here as much as possible to be working on his defense. And I asked him the other day, he made made this great play to his right against the Blue Jays. And I was just thinking it was kind of gratifying to see your work pay off. And he's like, not really, you know, because nothing – I'm not I, – I, this is what I expect to do. I'm not like, wow, I made a great play. I'm so happy. This is – I expect to be a good third baseman. And it was kind of a cool answer. Like, he's not, you know, surprised by his, his growth that he's made because that's what he expects him to be. He expects to be an everyday third baseman in the big leagues, and I think he's showing signs of that. I'm not going to say he is showing that he is that, but he's showing that potential for sure. Think about think about too if if if, if the Stott Bohm thing comes to pass, and then you've got Kingery who's twenty seven on that side of it, and and Hoskins if he can recover from last year's bad second half, how young you are in that spot, and you still got Bryce Harper who's twenty seven in right field, and and you know if you can resign a Ramuto, just what a core of position players you have at that point. If, if a Hazley and Quinn can somehow, you know, if a Quinn could stay healthy and a Hazley could develop into what you drafted him as a number eight overall pick, think of the core that you have there and the age of that core. Uh, you know, the, that second, the, 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 the Chase Utley, Ryan Howard thing you've been looking for for so long might be coming into view if, if that, those two are on that left side of the infield. And then you go from there. You, have, you really have something. And it, of course, you need pitch. You need pitching, well, of course, and, but that's always. Yeah, and and what you're talking about, there's another component of that, and that is that all of a sudden now, you have you know you'd have Bohm, Stott, uh, you'd have um, you'd have Hazley slash Quinn, or you know whoever your center fielder is. Those three especially would be on that sort of lower end of the payroll seesaw, you know. I know, I know Reese Hoskins will start to make more money next year as he gets to arbitration, and Kingery's already got a contract and all that. But 
you know, you would have, but it's a, it's a team friendly contract. If it's good, te- it sure. is. And you'd have more, you'd have more guys on the, on that, that lower end of the payroll seesaw. So if you need pitching now, all of a sudden you can go out and buy another pitcher uh, and, and your payroll seesaw looks a little bit more balanced than it does right now. Right now you've got a lot of guys on the high end with the Phillies and not so many guys on the low end. And that's why they're, they're pushing 208 million for the luxury tax and they're talking about, you know, we can't go get another big player uh, or we go over the tax and, and that becomes another issue. So if, if you bring in another homegrown guy or two, all of a sudden your payroll flexibility opens, opens up the way it hasn't for a while uh, or the way it's not right now. Great for sure. Um, talking about the payroll flexibility, that, that's why there's a fifth starter competition in camp right now because they, they don't have that you – know, the, the, I mean, they have the money. They just don't have the – money under the competitive balance tax to go add another starting pitcher. So we're looking at Nick Pavetta, Vince Velasquez, and maybe Ranger Suarez, who who has pitched really well in camp, kind of came in as a dark horse. But I think a good camp for, could force you know him in, more into that conversation than he, than he is right now. The one thing that struck me, Vince Velasquez, he started against the Braves on uh, Tuesday night, and he mentioned afterwards that he's – how he's p- pitching the contact and how he has kind of came to the realization that that's how he's going to have success using off speed stuff, secondary pitches, pitching down the zone. He's no longer trying to be that, that guy that struck out 16 batters against the Padres. He's no longer chasing that day, which was such a, a career highlight for him. And I think that that is, could go, go a long way. If he has this mental realization this spring that, that he had to become a different pitcher to actually become a pitcher and not just become a, a guy that's trying to blow fastballs past everybody. So right now I have him in the lead. He's had a pretty good spring, but it's him in the lead because of this mental change. I think he has great stuff. He just needed to kind of learn how to, how to be a pitcher. And that's what he's showing right now. Yeah. I mean, look, we've heard, I think we've heard that from, from Vinny before. Um, And, you know, it's, I know I've written about it. I think we all have like, Oh, you know, Vince Velasquez has kind of a new outlook on things. And then, you know, a start or two go by and uh, we, we don't really see him stick with it. And I wonder whether uh, we've talked about this a lot this spring, the new voice in the, in the pitching coach chair, Brian Price will be able to get through to Vinny in a way that Chris Young couldn't. And for that matter, you know, Rick Kranitz didn't seem to be able to either, um, you know, like you don't have to strike everybody out. You know, this is not something that you can just say and pay lip service to. And then a start or two from now, you're trying to blow it by everybody again. Uh, I wonder whether it's, it's a mindset change that a new pitching coach will really truly be able to affect for, for Vince Velasquez. Well, one of the things I wonder about is, okay, the Suarez and and Velasquez have both pitched well in the early stages of the spring and Pavetta hasn't as much, um, do you think Pavetta can go to the bullpen and be effective? Do you, do you think his mind will allow him to say, all right, I didn't win this competition, but I think his mind was really set on winning when he came into the spring training. Uh, and then he's told, well, you're going to, you're going to go to the bullpen. Do you think he can be effective in the bullpen? Cause he, you know, he has the arm and, you know, he could be a two pitch pitcher that, you know, you talk about a bullpen guy needing to be, do you think he would allow himself to, to, to get into that mindset and be effective? He could, but I think if he's not my fifth starter, I would put him in the bullpen. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I would put him in triple A. Right. Because odds are you're going to need more than five starters, as maybe even early on if one of these guys at the back end of the rotation flames out. 
So I think you need, and there's a really, if you look at the rotation of AAA, it's kind of tough to put together a five-man rotation if you're putting Pavetta in the bullpen. Suarez was excellent in the bullpen last year. I think he, he he's, you know what you have if you put him in the bullpen. So I, I would put Suarez in the bullpen, and I would put the, lose, the loser between Velasquez and Pavetta in AAA just to kind of stash them, let them stretch out as starters and see if, if they can find something down there that, you know, if they weren't able to find that in Clearwater. I would almost put them, I would almost put two of the three in AAA. I know you want to go with your 13 best pitchers and on any list of the 13 best, you know, Pavetta's probably in there. Suarez is probably in there, but you know, for the reasons you just said, you're going to need more than five. And, um, and, uh, you know, if if you've got one or both in the bullpen, then your first option in AAA becomes Cole Irvin, and then it gets really dicey after that uh, until Spencer Howard is ready. So I I would almost stash them both, but I, I, I kind of get the idea of, of one or the other. I wonder about Pavetta. You know, I thought, uh, sure, you know, fastball changeup, I mean, uh, fastball curveball, uh, if he were to stick with both of those, maybe that plays up out of the bullpen. But he's talked so much this spring about his changeup and wanting to develop that as a third pitch and knowing to be a good starter. And I'd almost want to let him keep keep going in that direction. Go to AAA, keep working on that changeup, and and you know maybe you can sort of see him working his way back into the rotation at some point. Uh, so I, I kind of agree, Matt, with your uh, with your projection that you had in the paper today or yesterday that uh, that yeah, you know, I mean. Maybe Pavetta goes to AAA, and maybe Suarez is is in the bullpen. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think Suarez earned the right to be in the bullpen if he's not the fifth starter, but based on what he did last year. Um, and Pavetta, you're, you're right. Pavetta would be the best insurance policy the policy they had. I worry a little bit about him in terms of how he would handle not making this team because he's he has put so much of his offseason effort into being that guy. But, you know, that that's part of showing that you're mentally tough, being able to to go and, and pitch well in AAA and prove you deserve to be back here, which he's done before. He's actually, you know, last year he when he got sent down, he pitched well and got himself back. But he needs to prove it at the big league level. That's so the thing with Pavetta is he he's, a, he's definitely a great AAA pitcher, a very good AAA pitcher, but is he – is he a big league pitcher? He needs to prove that at some point. And, you know, from the Philly standpoint, hopefully he's mentally tough enough to, if that's the way it goes down, to be able to go down and then come back and prove he – because, as Matt said, there's no way you're going to have just five pitchers for the year. Like the great Rocky Balboa once said, <laughs> it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's how about how you get up. Something like that. That's, there's some mental he, toughness that's, for your morning. That's, 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 that's why I said every day. I look in, look in the mirror, and that's how I get ready. Did uh, did Rocky? And and, and there, there's only been like 19 Rocky movies. <laughs> this so was from the sixth one, Rocky Balboa, which is probably uh, I, would, I would put it up there with uh, Rocky One's the best, but Balboa. Rocky Two is pretty good too. I don't know. Rocky, Rocky Three. Four. Rocky Four is Rocky Three's trash. Rocky Eight. Rocky Eighteen. <laughs> Rocky into the Creed's future. Good. Creed yeah. one was really good. Creed two was pretty good, but Creed one was great. Um, Creed one was good. I liked it. Did you ever run into Rocky at all in the Northeast, Matt? He's not from the Northeast. Well, actually, technically, that doesn't Stallone, mean that doesn't mean he never goes there. Stallone technically is from Northeast Philly. 
He kind of hides that. that right? He went to Lincoln, got kicked out. But he's from New York, I think. Born in New York. But Born he's an honorary Northeast Philly guy. So he's a carpetbagger, according he, to you, then, right? I don't know why he had to make the movie from Rocky from South Philly when he could have made Rocky from uh, Frankfurt Avenue. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have unanswerable a, um, questions. We have a question. I hear today, yeah, Scott. We do. So uh, as Bob mentioned, from? Bob and I are. Well, uh, I will. Uh, uh, Bob and I are back <laughs> back home for a few days, and. Uh, so I knew we had this podcast today, and I was dropping my son off at preschool this morning, and his teacher, uh, Miss Sharon, is a huge, huge... What's your, what's your son's name? Let's give a shout out to your my son. My son, Jake. And, uh, okay. and uh, so I was dropping him off, and his teacher, Miss Sharon, is a huge, huge Phillies fan, and so she very often asks me about the Phillies when I drop Jake off, and so this morning she asked me um, if there are any surprises in camp so far. And I, to be honest with you, I was a little stumped. Uh, I thought about it for uh, 30 seconds or so. And, you know, I told her that, you know, I don't know, maybe Roman Quinn uh, and the fact that, you know, we're talking about him as a potential opening day center fielder. Maybe that's a bit of a surprise. Um, but I don't know that there have been very many real surprises so far. Matt or Bob, what do you guys think? Go, go to Matt first because he's been there He's, he's seen more games than any of us. My surprise is uh, Kyle Garlick. That's a good one. A guy that was acquired um, like that first weekend of camp from the Dodgers, kind of like under the radar trade. And and now he he, he already looked good in camp, and he had great numbers last year in AAA with the Dodgers. And then once McCutcheon's ruled out now, it's you, you, know, you can really see that path to the major league roster. Right-handed bench bat corner outfielder hits for power and i think he's he's going to make the team and unless you know he really bottoms out in, in camp but so far he's looked good um he had a hit the other night in the ninth inning against atlanta and he gives the team what they need they need a right-handed bat off the bench i know roman quinn's a switch hitter but but this is this is a legitimate right-handed power bat off the bench, and I think he, he has a, a real role on this team. I'm, I'm going to go with my surprises. The, the young guys in this camp have really, uh, you know, everybody talks about the Phillies don't have a great minor league system, but, you know, a kid like Simon Muziotti has come over from camp and shown shown some things. Um, you know, Bohm has obviously been a, a, a big part of this camp. Um, uh, Mickey Moniak has played well in his, in his uh, first big league camp. You know, guys like – or is this his second big league camp? Was he here last yeah, year? Yeah, he was here last year. He was here last year, but he's got more of a look more of a look this year. Damon Jones? Uh, yeah. Damon Jones is another one. Yeah, uh, There's just been – the young guys have really, given a chance, have kind of shown themselves a little bit. Even even on with his bat, you know, shown, shown his power a little bit. So – that's that, that's what I'd go with. That's a good one. I like that. I like that. I think that's a good one too. So we have some answers. I'll I'll be able to tell her tomorrow uh, that she should watch Kyle Garlic. I'll, I'll have to tell her who he was, who he is, because I'm not sure that mo- many Phillies fans know uh, much about him yet. But yeah, I mean, uh, would we be talking much about Kyle Garlic if if McCutcheon wasn't hurt though? Probably not, just because there was one less bench spot, and you needed that. So you were really looking for one, and it, it, you almost need that, that versatility to bounce around the infield. But it's going to be interesting if he makes the team, has success, and then McCutcheon's ready to come back in mid-April, what, what you do. I mean, he can be optioned to AAA, but, but you might need him on the major roster and somebody else might have to go. 
So it's interesting. Um, real quick, who he was, he was a 28th round pick by the Dodgers, signed for $1,000, spent his off seasons working as a bar back and working as a construction on a, on a construction site. I mean, this guy, hashtag Philly guy, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a guy that Phillies fans would would love to have, would love to root for. He, he fits that mold. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he gets to the majors this year and what kind of role he has and how, how he takes advantage of it. I'll give you a surprise and then, and then we can, uh, we can shut it down from here. But, uh, I, and I'm going to put a pin in this one because I don't think it's a resolved situation by any means yet, but Gene Segura and the third base experiment is going, I think a little bit better than I expected it might. I thought maybe we'd get to this part of spring training and the Phillies would say, yeah, you know what? We gave it a shot. And, you know, he's going to play second base and King Rio play third. But Segura is on track to be the opening day third baseman. And I didn't know if we'd get this deep into camp and still say that. So he's, I believe, still taking almost every rep at third base. Uh, he seems to not only be able to do it physically, but also he seems to be able to, he seems to be handling it all right. The idea of, a, of playing a position he's never played before. So I'm a little pleasantly surprised that that's gone as smoothly so far as it has. That's a good one, too. Well, we can't move Look three great ones. What, what else, Look at what that. else is next? Next week, we will try to give you three more great ones. As always, this is Matt Breen from Clearwater for Bob Brookover and Scott Lover. Thanks for listening to Extra Innings, the podcast of the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can read our work on Inquirer.com and subscribe to our newsletter, Extra Innings. Thanks for listening.